Thank you, Jade. Uh, well worth leaving that reading open. Ephesians chapter 1, page 1133, if you've just shut the Bible. Um, we, are, we are diving into Ephesians. Uh, this will be our project for most of this term and then uh, later in the year as well. And I've been really looking forward to uh, getting into this uh, letter together. There's, there's so much gold here. It's such a wonderful, uh, wonderful letter. Um, in fact, uh, it, it says on the outline there that we're going to look at verses 1 to 14. We're only going to get as far as verse 8. There's so much uh, there and I want us to just zoom in on those verses tonight. Uh, verses uh, 3 to 14 is just one sentence, would you believe? Um, so we're only going to get partway through one sentence uh, tonight, uh, but I promise you there's um, rich gold here for us. So please do uh, have that outline in front of you. That'll help just uh, to see where we're heading and have uh, Ephesians open uh, as well. And uh, let me begin uh, with this uh, word, if that's what you can call it, hashtag blessed. Uh, in the world of uh, social media, there, there is no hashtag more favoured uh, and more maligned at the same time than this one, hashtag blessed. I don't know, has anyone here ever used hashtag blessed? There's some guilty hands about to go up, but uh, there you go. Uh, for the unfamiliar about hashtags and the, and the like, um, which is me, I don't think I've ever deployed a hashtag, um, if that's the right uh, verb for hashtags. Um, it, they're used to draw attention to some sort of content, usually a photo. You take a photo and then you put the hashtag there and a word that, that sort of organises everything under that heading. Uh, as I said, usually a photo. For instance, uh, if you look really carefully on the internet, you can find... Uh, is that working? There we go, I pressed the wrong one. Um, you can find Warunga uh, Night Church on uh, there. Hashtag Warunga Night Church, barbecue in the Tongs backyard after church this week. That was a year ago, so if you're looking forward to that tonight, I'm sorry about that, but given the weather, that's probably for the best. But there we go, hashtag Warunga Night Church. But nowhere near as dominant as uh, this one, hashtag blessed. And it's used for all sorts of things. Uh, when people go out to dinner uh, with friends, the obvious thing to do is to take a photo of the meal as it's put in front of you. Take a photo, uh, post the photo on the internet and put hashtag blessed. Uh, go on a holiday, again the obligatory sunset shot on the holiday, hashtag blessed. Uh, the perfect um, car park at Hornsby Westfield, I saw that one a few weeks ago, there it was, this ideal car park, hashtag blessed. Uh, so you can use it for almost anything. Uh, social media is awash with blessing, uh, it seems. And the truth is, such things are blessings. Uh, the Bible tells us that every good gift that, uh, comes from our Heavenly Father and it's to be received with thanksgiving. Um, but uh, the reality is, often that hashtag blessed is used not to uh, signal, symbol uh, and signify blessing, but it's a humble brag. It's a way to sort of quietly brag about something in our lives. And, and the pictures often used uh, for it are, are not pictures of actual life, real life in all its messiness. It's, it's life with all the mess filtered out of it. That's what we put hashtag blessed next to. And even the lens through which we view life as we take those sort of photos is a lens often reversed focused on ourselves. Uh, that's the picture that we see so often. And while we ourselves may fail to see uh, us doing that, those around us can see it all too clearly. They see the filter. They see where the lens is pointing. 
Uh, for example, uh, this, this article that I read this week by a lady called Jessica Bennett in the New York Times. Uh, let me read you a couple of quotes from her um, uh, article ti- titled Hashtag Blessed. She said this, Here are a few of the ways that God has touched my social network over the past few months. He's helped a friend get accepted into graduate school. She was blessed to be there. He made it possible for my yoga instructor's Caribbean spa retreat to go ahead. Blessed to be teaching in paradise. Uh, He graced a colleague with no fewer than 57 wall postings about her birthday. So blessed by all this love, she wrote to approximately 900 of her closest friends. God has in fact recently blessed my network with dazzling job promotions coveted speaking gigs, the most wonderful fiancés ever, front row seats at Fashion Week, nominations for many 30 under 30 lists, whatever that means, and blessings aren't limited just to the little people either. Uh, He's been known, sorry, I'll flick on to the next one there. Uh, He's been known to bless Kanye West and Kim Kardashian with exotic getaways and expensive bottles of champagne overlooking sunsets, hashtag blessed. Uh, calling something calling something blessed has become the go-to term for those who want to boast about an accomplishment while at the same time pretending to be humble or to fish for a compliment or to acknowledge a success without sounding too conceited or to purposely el- elicit envy. Uh, blessed has reached such a height of overuse that tracking it has become a virtual sport on the internet. And if you can't be blessed yourself... You can always mock those who are blessed. Uh, For instance, this quote by uh, the comedian Davin Magwood, caught a piece of bacon falling out of my sandwich right before it hit the ground, uh, naturally followed by the punchline, hashtag blessed. So there it is. It's used for anything and everything from the sublime to the ridiculous. And so if this understanding of what it means to be blessed in life is actually, well, all too filtered, and uh, well, all too filtered to be true and all too self-absorbed to be healthy. What, what does it actually mean to be blessed? Uh, how, what would it mean if we were able to express that properly? Well, the answer I think Ephesians is going to show us is actually nothing in this world, ultimately. Truth is, even those of us who are not prone to hashtag blessed posts, uh, the reality is even without them, our vision of our own life is all too filtered and too self-focused. And those like me claiming the high moral ground to rebuke those who would hashtag bless on the internet, the unfiltered truth about my mockery is that I'm just jealous, it's not me. Uh, Viewing the world through yourself is always going to be faulty. What we need actually is a whole new lens, a whole new way of seeing life and seeing ourselves. And, And what the Bible does is it offers us just that. And that's what Ephesians is going to show us over the next few weeks. And here's a lens with with two things about it that that is critical for us. Firstly, it's a lens with no filter. Uh, If you you have a look at our passage, have a look down at uh, 1 verse 13. You'll see the filter that's on this. Uh, There's none. It's the word of truth. Here's the truth, unfiltered. The truth about God, yes, but also the truth about human life. And what we see is, well, the truth of it is it's far more messy than we like to portray, but also far more magnificent than we may think and see with our own eyes. And the lens through which we're meant to see it is not through ourselves. This is what Ephesians is going to show us. It is through the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
viewing life through the lens of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to open up for us in a horizon that, that won't just fix in on one moment and one thing, uh, but will encompass eternity and everything in our lives. That's Ephesians' claim. And it will involve seeing, yes, we are blessed, but so much more than we could possibly ask or imagine. That's what we'll see. That's a view that Ephesians will show us. And, and the Apostle Paul's prayer for us as we start to look at it together, if you've got it open there, have a look at verse 18, you'll see his prayer. What he wants for us is the eyes of our heart to open wide enough to see that view, to see the hope to which we've been called, to not be narrow, not be self-focused. And so let's see that together. And if we are to see that view together, here's a really important uh, qualification uh, for us. And again, it comes from uh, verse 13 of our passage. It's a way of viewing the world and viewing ourselves that you can only see one way. You can only see it by hearing and believing the word of truth about Jesus. That's the lens uh, that he wants us to look through. To see the dimensions of, uh, of this view and all the blessings that it holds for us, you have to be a believer in Jesus Christ. How? Well, Ephesians is going to show us that as we go through this uh, letter, but uh, verse 13 is a bit of a pointer for us. Uh, here's the process, if you like, for seeing that, that through that lens clearly. Uh, 1.13 says, As the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is presented to us, as we hear it, perhaps from a friend, perhaps as we read it now together, the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us of the truth. It's true. Here's life unfiltered. This is the truth. And as we start to recognise the truth, what the Holy Spirit then enables us to do is to apply that truth, not, not in generalities, but to actually our life and to see how it changes life. That's the new lens. Uh, we become convinced that on our own, uh, we're a mess. That we are those who are trapped in sin, that we're under God's judgement and that salvation from that doesn't, it can't come from within me. It can only come by the powerful person and work of the Lord Jesus. That's the lens. It's this lens. This is the phrase that we'll hear again and again throughout Ephesians, in him. That's how we view life. I am in him. I live in hope through him. That's who I am. And Ephesians 1 will say, if you see life that way, then you will be indeed hashtag blessed. So let's, uh, let's dive into it together. We're going to start uh, with verse 3. You can see it there. Here's how Paul begins. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. What we're going to see tonight is very simple. We're going to see how we've been blessed. We're going to see some of the dimensions of that every spiritual blessing. And if you've got your outline there, I want to highlight three for us tonight, just three. There's a lot more we'll see as we go through. Here they are. Those who are in Christ, those who have heard and believed the word about Jesus, here's the first blessing you've received. You've been chosen to be holy and blameless. Uh, do you see it there in uh, verse 4 of our passage? For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Uh, do you see the view? Do you see the angle, the lens there? It's in him, not in us. It's about him, not us. Uh, we've been given the blessing of holiness in him, which makes us, I think, two things. It should make us humble and it should make us very purposeful. Uh, th those two words, holy and blameless, they're, 
they're big words in the Old Testament, used a lot in the Old Testament, uh, really to describe something that is acceptable to worship God. That's what you have to be to be able to worship God. And that's what we are by faith in Jesus. We are set apart to worship him, to honour him, holy. And we are blameless. How's this for amazing? We are, in God's sight, utterly spotless because of faith in Jesus. And that, that status, that blessing, doesn't lead to bravado. There's no boasting in that because we know that those things are in him, not in us. And yet seeing them doesn't just make me humble, it should make me very purposeful. Do you, do you see it there, what, what it says? You are chosen and called to be holy and blameless. Called. This, this is your calling, this is your life's purpose. Um, it is a present reality. You are holy in him, but now you are called to be holy, to grow in that, to grow in that blessing. It's a bit like a, another part of the New Testament says this, uh, 1 John 3 Verse 3, it says, those who have this hope purify themselves. Uh, Faith in Jesus has made us holy and blameless, but we are to grow in those things. That's the blessing he wants for us, to grow more holy. So let me ask you uh, about your current lens uh, through which you view life. Do you view your present reality and your future as focused on this, standing in his sight? As you think about what Monday is going to involve for you, is that right at the centre of your view? I'm going to live tomorrow in his sight. Uh, you've been chosen to live wholly in his sight. That's what he wants for you tomorrow. It should change how we speak tomorrow. It should change how we act tomorrow. It should change the decisions we make. It should actually change not just who we are in public when we've got our well nice face on, but who we are in private when we think we're out of sight. We're in his sight. And it should change whose honour we're seeking as we live. There's the first blessing. It's a blessing of holiness and blamelessness and it should make us humble and very purposeful. Uh, here's the second uh, blessing. It's in verse, uh, end of verse 4 and into 5. By faith in Christ, you've been chosen to be his dearly loved children. And it says there, end of verse 4, in love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. Now, if you've been around Christian circles for any length of time, that word predestined is a trigger word for all sorts of discussions and speculations as to what uh, God has, uh, how much forethought went into us being Christians. Uh, We will deal with that next week, I promise. But for now, I want you to focus on the blessing that his predestination, his forechoosing brought for us. You have been adopted as his children. It's a blessing that should make you again very humble but also I think very secure. Uh, It means that you need never worry about who you are in this world, about whether you have significance or whether you've achieved what you're supposed to have achieved. Uh, The king of heaven is your father, that's who you are. You are his precious child, that's your status, that's who you are in this world. But again, there's absolutely no bravado in that. There's no boasting in that, no pride in it. It's a quiet dignity it should give you. It's only through the work of the Son that you are able to be called a son. That's what it says here, through the Son. You share his dignity. It should make you humble. 
It should quiet your heart. I, I think what this blessing should do for us, if we're seeing it clearly, is it should mean that there should be for us no more anxious striving in life. I've got to do this. I've got to be this. Uh, you may have all sorts of status markers in your life. I'm this, or I've achieved this, or I used to be this, or whatever it may be. They may come and go, and they will, but not this one. You are his child forever. <laughs> And knowing God is your Father, knowing that he calls you to be holy, should actually stir you to know that that status makes you purposeful again. It should make you want to please him tomorrow on Monday, to be growing in holiness tomorrow. I wonder if that's the view you have of God as your Father, that that what he wants for you and desires for you and is actually pushing towards is your growth, your change, your growing in holiness that's the blessing he wants for you. I wonder if that's what you view, uh, what's in your mind when you think about the fact that you have a heavenly father who loves you. Well, whether you have a picture of a heavenly father who just is happy for you to be you and not to change. I, I, I love this quote by uh, C.S. Lewis that I think captures, I think, how many of us think of having a heavenly father. He says this, We want, in fact, not so much a father in heaven as a grandfather in heaven, a benevolence who, as they say, liked to see the young people enjoying themselves and whose plan for the universe was simply that it might be truly said at the end of the day that a good time was had by all. Uh, A God who is just warm and fluffy and, and, and doesn't ask or push us at all, but that's not the blessing he wants for us. He wants us to grow, grow in holiness. And so there's his blessing. You are his children and you are called to be holy. One final blessing we'll see tonight. Have a look at verse 7. By faith in Christ you have been chosen to be redeemed and forgiven. Uh, Verse 7 says this. In him we we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of his grace. And again, at risk of labouring the point, do you you see the focus of the lens again? It is through his blood. This is not about us, it's about him. The cross of Jesus Christ, I think for us, is our truth unfiltered, our life unfiltered, and it's much messier than we portray. Uh, This is the truth of our life unfiltered. We are stained by sin and we cannot remove it. Uh, It tells the truth of our desperate need for forgiveness. Uh, Ephesians is going to put that uh, on view again and again as we go through it. If you've got it open there, flick forward to chapter 2 and you'll you'll see it writ large there. You you want to see our truth unfiltered? Here it is. As for us, we were dead because of sin, slaves to our own selfishness and objects of wrath by our own nature. The blessing that we need most of all in this life is the blessing of a way back from that. And that only comes by faith in Jesus. Faith that his blood is enough to pay the penalty for our sin. And it has to be enough to pay the penalty because we know know from our own experience if we've ever had to forgive someone that real forgiveness ain't cheap, it costs. And so the price of our forgiveness was the offering of God's riches, we're told, verse 7. His precious son uh, shedding his blood. I just really want to encourage you tonight to open your, the eyes of your heart, as 1 verse 18 says, to what you are in on because of the Lord Jesus. In him, 
and through his blood you have the hope of at the end of your life standing inside of the living God who we declared in our creed as the judge of the living and the dead and he will look at you and you will be forgiven and blameless and spotless because of that blood. Ephesians will testify that 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 same word that really the whole Bible tells us that, that God is holy and that he is just And so the sin that we're all guilty of, of attempting self-rule and living selfish lives, must be judged. That's the unfiltered reality. But here's God in view, unfiltered. At the cross, the Lord Jesus is providing in himself a way for that justice to fall on God. He bears the weight of the punishment for our sin. The gospel is simply this, that God has created us for relationship with him, living under his good rule, and our foolish choice is this. We're we're learning a lot lot about God's choices here tonight, but here's our choice, to choose self-rule and selfishness. And it leads to the mangled mess of life, the life that we were made for. And here's what the Bible says, that's not just sad, it's evil because it dishonours God who made us. It damages us and it damages others. And like all evil and wrongdoing, there should be justice. And there will be justice because God is just. In ourselves, we are objects of wrath. But how's this for blessing? There it is again, uh, 1 verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. I love that last bit. That's our story. Don't you love how God is with us as objects of his wrath? He is unhesitant to pour out his grace. There's no pause, there's no reluctance there. It's just the way he is. He chooses to do it. He doesn't overlook sin as if it doesn't matter. Of course it matters. It matters enough to send his son to shed his blood. And he sheds it lavishly so that it's enough. There's the truth of our God. Uh, This this is how John uh, Spurgeon um, uh, put it, the old preacher. He said this, You cannot sin as much as God can forgive. There's the blessing that God gives us. You cannot sin as much as he can forgive you. And I want to say to you tonight, uh, you'll, you'll know that, but that's only precious to you if, if, if you've actually removed the filter on your life and you can see the mess and you can say, that's what I need, I need that sort of forgiveness. Because the reality is there's not one person here, not even the most religious amongst us here, and I don't know who you think is the most religious sitting here tonight or, or the most perfect or the most respected or the most mistake-free life lived so far. The reality is there's no one here who is not by nature an object of God's wrath. And yet his forgiveness is enough for you, even you. I wonder if you can imagine um, how precious that truth would be right now to Samuel Davidson if he heard it and believed it. Do you know who Samuel Davidson is? Do you know his story? Uh, He's the young man who drove his car just a few days ago up onto that footpath and took the lives of those four children in Oatlands. Uh, utterly devastating story in our city of uh, just the most uh, horrific and foolish series of choices 
a bunch of young men getting fueled up on booze at their new rental house in Oatlands. And, and then the crazy decision of Samuel and his mate to, to leave the house, drive up the road to get money at the ATM for who knows what. And then that high-speed drunken journey back home towards this group of children. Uh, children riding uh, in the heat of that day, it was a really hot day, just to get some ice cream. And as they're speeding back, there's toots of cars and waves from other cars telling them to slow down, all ignored. And then in a moment, all of it is lost. Now, utterly devastating. A, a, a family shattered completely forever. And two young men's uh, lives really destroyed in that moment. And yet if you watch the news coverage in the hours that followed, there are the parents of these children in the midst of grief that I, I can't uh, imagine or I don't want to imagine. And they say, amongst all sorts of other things that are going on for them, they say, I don't hate him, I forgive him. And then the parents of this, this, this young man... Uh, interviewed by the TV channels because they're voyeuristic about things like that and uh, they, they go into their house and they interview this, this, this couple whose son has just done this and they're so broken that all that they can quietly say over and over again in this little interview is that he and they are just so sorry. How on earth do you forgive this man? What on earth would you say if you're that father as you walk into that jail cell with your son? And here again, I think, we see the mangled mess we humans make of the life that God gives us. And whether we like it or not, we're there too. And what does God say? He doesn't say no problem. He doesn't say no payment needed, no justice needed. He doesn't say that. He says, I will take it. I will pay for it. I will pay for you. And he pays for it according to the riches of his grace with his most rich thing, his son. Uh, It is, as Spurgeon says, you cannot sin as much as God can forgive. And if you can't see your desperate need for redemption and forgiveness just as much as Samuel, then I suggest to you the filter is still on. Uh, We must see ourselves in the wreckage of our own sin, unfiltered. We must take off the gloss. And then we must throw ourselves on the testimony we see here in Ephesians that he chose you still, he adopted you, he redeems you, he forgives you, he's relentlessly for you. Hashtag blessed. Uh, In a moment I'm going to uh, just lead us into turning to praise God together in song but just before we do that I'm going to pause for a moment and see if there's any questions otherwise I'll get the, the band to come up and we'll get ready to to sing together. I want to wrap up in just just a moment, but I'll just pause to see if there's any questions from what we've seen tonight. If not, let me say this. All we've seen so far is how we're blessed. There's a really important question hanging in the air that we're going to get to next week. Why? Uh, why? On what grounds would God bless us like this and for what purpose? Why? 
Uh, that's where we're heading next week. But uh, as we finish and as we prepare to sing, he, here's the ultimate answer that he's going to give us. And it's written all throughout the passage. I wonder if you noticed it. It's for the praise of his glory. It's so that we might see how glorious he is. Did you see how Paul scribbled that all throughout it? Uh, if you've got it open there, have a look. Verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in the middle of describing the blessings, verse 6, he says, to the praise of his glorious grace. And if that's not enough, verse 12, to the praise of his glory. And then again, verse 14, to the praise of his glory. How are you meant to respond to this sort of blessing? With a heart that praises this lavish grace. And so let me encourage you to sing up now as we uh, respond in praise. This is what he's designed us to do. This is why he blessed us, so that we might praise him. So let's do that. Let's stand together. And I think we're singing Come Thou Fount. So let's jump up and sing. <laughs>